Now, we've been going through the book of 1 Thessalonians, um, and this morning, I just want to encourage you, we're going to look at one verse. So, this is, <laughs> yes, one verse, Jimmy, I promise, one verse. Um, that we, as we are going through Thessalonians, we're in Thessalonians chapter 5, and one of the things that I love is just the Word of God. And I just want to remind you that we are here this morning because we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in Him, and we believe in what the Scripture says about Him. And so as we're going through the Scripture, it is amazing to see all the detail and all the intricacies as we break down the Word of God. And I hope that this morning that you will be encouraged or challenged. If you're not already carving out time and being intentional about the Bible, I want to just encourage you that this is a supernatural book that will do supernatural things in your life if you will simply make space for God and what He says. Because His thoughts are not our thoughts, and His ways are not our ways. And He sees through much different eyes than us, so we need to constantly allow ourselves to see through His eyes. And that's what I'm going to ask you this morning. We're going to begin reading in verse 12, and I want to remind you, um, I don't know, for those of you that were here last week, Kyle did an amazing job um, teaching and uh, love that. Love what God's doing in that young man's life and their service. He and Maggie, the amazing couple. Verse 12, I want to remind you what we read and talked about last week. And we urge you, brethren, I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have the New King James and whatever version you're reading from, the words may be a little bit different, but we are going to get to the same place with some colorful explanation. So it's a good thing. Read with me in verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. Now, for those of you that here last week, what kind of stuck out, or can you remember anything about what we discussed last week? Yeah, it made an impression on me too. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll prime the pump a little bit. Huh? Yep. Labor, the leadership. And what do we talk about? That the leadership, we believe when you look at the words, the leadership is more relational. It's more about the person and what the person does as opposed to the position. Remember we talked about that there are a couple of different ways when you view leadership. You can view leadership from the position or you can, you can view leadership. What do you have down there? Yep. View leadership from the position or the person. And so what we talked about is when you look at these, it's really easy to look at these verses and take more of an, an industrial, take more of a business approach. But that's not the context of what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about more of a relational family relationship where there's direct contact, there's direct interaction, and it's discipleship because you're watching the person's life. You're watching what takes place. And even when it says that you need to honor them for actually what they're doing, the work, the investment that they're making. So I wanted to just remind you of what we talked about last week because it's relational. It's being connected. It's being involved. And if we're not careful, what we do in the United States is we make church very attendance-driven, come-and-see-driven. Like, okay, we're doing church this morning when in the Scriptures, when you read the New Testament, church is not where you go. Church is who you are and what you do. We are church. 
This is not a church. We are the church. And what we have to do in America is we have to be more intentional about getting back to the fact that it's relational. It's getting to know one another. It's letting our guard down. Which, listen to me, and please understand, because what I'm going to talk about this morning in this one verse has been stirring in my soul for a couple of weeks because of the power of the relational component of investment, and we have to get back to that because, listen to me, it is very natural. What do we do even in our communities? We typically, it's easy to buy a house, and furnish it with stuff, like we're going to have people over. But then we build fences to keep people out, and so they can't see over the fence. And then our good intentions, we have these beautifully prepared places for just us. So a lot of people are starving for relationships, but we've created this cycle of busyness that we long for something different, but we've created an environment to naturally push people away and keep them out. That's not what we're trying to do here with the Mountain View Chapel family. And we're learning all the time. I've done church in the past. I was good at getting a big group together. But if you want to know something, I've never done what we're doing here. This is all new territory, so we're learning as we go. You're like, really? That doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Yeah, it is what it is. But we're learning how to be a family more so. We're learning how to make connections. And some of the Bible studies that we're starting and some of the groups that we're creating and some of the things we have got with God's blessings on this church family, we have to be more intentional about creating relationships because it's not just going to happen without it being intentional. So let's look at some challenging words in verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, Dear brothers and sisters, let me just lay this down. This is what we're called to as a church family. This is what Lori and I are called to. This is what our leadership team is called to. This is what our children's ministry people are called to. This is what, this is what every single component of this church family is called to. Look at what it says. Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. So I want to ask you a couple questions. In the version that you're reading, my version says, warn those who are unruly. What word is in your version for unruly? This, this is the part where you open your mouth and you just yell out what the word is. Idle. Okay. Is that, is that admonished for warn? Okay. Those who are what? What's the word for unruly? Okay, good. Disruptive? What other word? Idle? Anybody else? Uh, <laughs> that's good. All right, so hang with me. Comfort the faint-hearted. What, what other words are used? 
Encourage. Encourage the what? Timid. What? Disheartened. What else? Huh? Feeble-minded. Yep. And it says uphold the weak. What other words are used? Support. Help. Is there another word for weak used? Does everybody's version have weak? Yes. That's pretty rare. That's awesome. So let me just give you some words real quick, and let me just challenge you with some things, and let's break these words down. Unruly. When you look in the Greek, and some of you, the way that um, it says, I want you to see what it says here. It says to warn those who are unruly. Unruly with the aspect, in the Greek it gives the idea of careless or out of line, more along the line of a soldier that's not keeping rank. So what we're talking about here is within the church, Jesus Christ has called us to certain things. Jesus has said that love is supposed to be the earmark of those who follow him and that people are going to know that the resurrection was real because of love. So what it's saying here, when it's talking about unruly, it's, it, there's this real strong sense in the majority of the time it's used, it's like a soldier that doesn't keep rank. A soldier that doesn't understand their position and wants to do their own thing and goes off and has their own ideas about stuff. So we are not, in this church family, and when we study the Word of God, we are not a cookie-cutter group. All you got to do is get to know some of the people in our church family and watch people walk in. This is not a cookie cutter group. But yet at the same time, there are certain things that when you read the New Testament and the way the Spirit exhibits His presence in the life of a person and in the group of people that claim to be followers of Him, there are certain common denominators that are at the very base of who we should be. So, like I said last week, if you get to burn your saddle, if you get that like you're feeling like that everybody else is wrong and you're wanting to, guess what? It may not be everybody else. And so what I want you to see here is it starts out dealing with individualism that doesn't want to be a part or participate in the overall direction of something great that needs to be accomplished. Now, it says warn those. Now, I'm going to give you three words after we get through breaking down these evaluation points. I want to give you three words because all of this totally reinforces the relational component of being the church, not attending church. So let's look at the word... Some of you, it says feeble-minded or faint-hearted. This, this is the idea in the original language of little-souled. And let me just say this. It has the idea of those, please hear me this. It gives the idea when it's talking about being faint-hearted, there are those that are naturally see things through darker or more negative perspective. 
In any family unit, if you have four or five kids, there's usually one of the group in the, in the, in the, the group of children that naturally wants to quit or give up quicker than the rest. So when it's talking about being faint-hearted, it's talking about that perspective that's easily overcome or goes to the negative or just wants to throw in the towel quicker. And let me just say this. This whole perspective has actually been nurtured within our nation over the last 10 or 15 years. And I feel like that culturally, if we're not careful, we've created an environment for our children to where they are easily, more easily faint-hearted and throw in the towel and quit and run because we've created false expectations. Hey, listen, when you grow up, you don't get a trophy for participating. You get what I'm saying? You don't just show up to work and get a medallion because you were there on time. You understand what I'm saying? So let's look at this idea of being faint-hearted, being easily, and if you're one of those people to where you're easily, you see the negative or you get down or you want to throw in the towel, please hear me. And for the other group, if you have a tendency and you take pride in being a lone ranger and you do your own thing, please hear me. I want to say to you point blank, you need a church family. And you need to be connected with people. And if it makes you uncomfortable that people are encouraging you and trying to help you see the positive as opposed to the negative, that's exactly what God wants for your life and you need them. And for those of you that are the Lone Ranger and you take pride in that, God has something more beautiful for you and you need to learn how to participate with God's perspective in mind. Let's look at the third word here. Weak. Now, if you look at the definition, it has to do with external and internal. It can be physical and it can be emotionally and mental, mental, that weakness. But what I want you to kind of focus on is more of that inability for, to make wise decisions or being challenged from the standpoint of strength. If you want to look at it like somebody that's new in their faith. But when we look at this word for weakness, there's times where I fit into this. I think that there's a lot of times where we all feel, fit into this. Where there's a level where we're facing things and we don't want to admit that we're weak because, oh my goodness. But yet weakness is very real. So let me go back through and let me give you three words where it says warn, comfort, and uphold, let me give you some different relational words. That first, that first phrase where it's talking about dealing with the unruly, confrontation. You know what the majority of us here this morning are terrible at confrontation. And what I mean by that is I'm not talking about those of you that think that you're real good at confrontation because you tell everybody what you think and you just get off your chest and you just blow everybody's doors off. You know how to do confrontation. And probably you ain't got a lot of friends either. <laughs> I'm just going to tell it how it is. Maybe you ought to keep your mouth shut sometimes. I'm just saying. 
And then there's a lot of people in this church family that are merciful and gracious and patient, and you want the best for other people, and you're not trying to create problems. And so confrontation is one of the most difficult components for you because how do I go and do that? Now, you may not believe me now, but you talk to my wife. In my 20s and midway through my 30s, that was me. And I was thrust into leadership roles, and I had older men above me that would just say, Tim, you go deal with that. I'm like, what do you mean go deal with that? <laughs> Why don't you go deal with that? Well, I couldn't say that because I understood the, the position. And I just want to challenge you that you're not going to warn or exhort other people that have issues unless you are learning and growing in your own spirit how to truly confront issues and how to confront people and confront issues in love and do it the way that God wants us to do it. But here's the real issue. How are you going to know if somebody is trying to do their own thing and go outside and do their own thing, and how are you going to confront them? Is it because somebody told somebody that told somebody else? through the gossip train, what's really going on in their life, or it's because you're invested in people and you're walking life with them and you know when they begin to struggle. Next word, encouragement. Some of your versions had encouragement there. The faint-hearted, the negative, encouragement. How many of you, before you came in here this morning, had your bucket loaded with encouragement and you just can't take any more right now? Raise your hand. You're, you're done. You're done for the day. You don't need anybody else to give you any encouragement because you're done. Like you're up to here with it. Can't take any more. Anymore, you're just going to grin yourself to death and explode all over people. Anybody? So encouragement, especially for people. Woody, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. I know you've been sick, but your attitude stinks. I don't know, like, <laughs> golly day, man. Is that all you see is negative? Goodness gracious, what's wrong with you? How many of you feel an encouragement from that? You feel encouraged? <laughs> <laughs> he came in there tired and worn out. Now he's worse. <laughs> Kicking a man when he's down. That's what I mean. That's a good. That's a spiritual gift right there. Um, so, hey, man, I understand. You're tired. You've been sick. I'm praying for you. You be strong, Woody, because this church family needs you. Miss you doing the offering. We love you big time. Is there anything I can do for you? You need me to clean your gutters? I'll call Mark Farmer. You see the difference? Being there for one another. You'll hold the ladder. You'll hold the ladder, Mark. Okay. Michelle's like, he needs to do our house first. <laughs> That's another thing. Moving on. Next word. But you understand what I'm saying? 
encouragement, comfort, being there. And this is the last word that I want you to look at and I want to throw out to you. When we're talking about the weakness, the, oh, the idea here is support. But what's amazing in the Greek, and I want to just point this out to you, it says position directly opposite someone. All right? So, Chris, can you stand up for me? Y'all didn't hear you went, mm. It's our anniversary, 12 years. Can we give a hand? Okay. So you define being nice. Does that mean hugging and kissing you or just not making you speak? <laughs> this is a smart man right here. Okay, so when it says uphold somebody, the idea of the definition is you're directly opposite somebody. You're in close close proximity with them, and from the standpoint of to uphold or to hold somebody up, when they are going through those weak times, literally being there, confrontation, encouragement, support, and this is a part that I can't spend enough time on, but it says be patient with all. I want you to write these down. I want to give you three things real quick. Patience. None. Some. All. Write those three words down. Patience. None. Some. All. Some of you are sitting here this morning. If you have no patience, I'm going to say in love, I'm going to call you out. You're in sin and you're living wrong and you're self-absorbed. Is there any misunderstanding about what I just said? Think about it. When patience is so difficult for us because it totally addresses our human expectations, our human desires, and the things that we long for for self. And if you're a person that has no patience, I'm going to say to you, you need to check yourself real hard today. And ask the people around you what they see in you, because if you have absolutely no patience, there's something that needs to change by the grace of God. I'm not giving you a self-help sermon. I'm saying you need to lay yourself before God Almighty and allow him to invade you in a whole new way. But then patience, some patience. Now, this is where we all, most of us live. And it's amazing, based on our personality, our own experiences, all of us are going to have some level of patience for other people based on certain criteria that we've deemed important or understandable. Does that make sense? That's just human nature. For me, I have a lot of patience with children, teenagers, and college students. Which begs the question, Missy said, uh-oh, what about the rest of them? Can we talk about that after the service? No. no. But what I'm saying is because Lori and I have spent the majority of our lives working with kids, we're patient toward kids. We understand kids. It's like a kindergarten teacher who understands that age and has incredible patience and love and nurturing for that particular age group. And then a 40-year-old parent comes in and whines and is victimized and they've got all this stuff. It's hard to have patience sometimes. Because you get why the kid is, but it's like, seriously? You get what I'm saying? 
And within the church family, this is what the challenge is. For you and I to be patient with all. You and I are supposed to be patient with the weak. We're supposed to be patient with the struggling. We're supposed to be patient with the negative people. We're supposed to be patient with the people that are ready to throw in the towel and quit. And we're supposed to be patient with the renegade who wants to do their own thing and is constantly stirring stuff up. I am not wired for that. Are you? Now, for those of you that are non-confrontational and you are naturally kind, doesn't mean that you're patient. Just because you're non-confrontational and you keep your mouth shut, you don't get the box checked for being patient. And if you're like that, you get what I'm saying. Just because you can keep your mouth shut and then go home and then you're an aggressive driver on the way home, you get what I'm talking about? Not that I've been behind some of you or some of you have cut me off. I'm, I'm just saying. But the scripture says that as a church family, we are to be long-suffering and patient with each other across the board, whether somebody has naturally got the personality likes and dislikes that you have, or they naturally irritate you, it doesn't matter. We are supposed to strive to be patient with all types of people in all situations, because you know what the goal is? For people to come to Jesus and for all of us to be conformed to his image, and that takes time. Hey, Chad, you where you want to be? Are you as mature as you want to be in Christ? Derek? Jeff? We're just going to go down the line. I'll skip over a second time. I'm cool. Riley? Kevin? Mark? Chris? This is Tim. But I'm not where I used to be. And I want to say thank you to you. Thank you for being patient with me. I'm being serious. Thank you for allowing me to grow as a leader. Thank you for allowing me to grow as a person and a servant. Thank you. Patience matters across the board. How are you doing with patience? Did you hear that level of honesty? The older I get, the worse it gets for being patient. You said I was more... More patient when she was younger and the children were younger. Some of us can relate to that. It's easy to get set in your ways. But we are called to exhibit a level of patience because the motivation behind the patience is our love for God and our love for other people and what he's trying to accomplish in each and every one of us. What it brings us back to is a bigger picture view than just us being the God of our own world. Make sense? Brothers and sisters, we have to be intentional about getting to know people and managing our expectations and allowing God's expectations to be a part of who we are, and we need to learn to be patient. I'm not saying condone what people do. Because the whole context of warning and comforting never says condone what people are doing. But it says that in the process, you need to be there with them to love on them and teach them and help them see a different way. Make sense? Now, 
If you're somebody that you got stuff going on inside and you need some prayer this morning, I'm going to just, while we stand and we begin to sing, we don't do this a whole lot. We rarely do this. But if your heart's stirring and you got stuff going on inside, maybe you're not really sure, but you want to address maybe some spiritual, some emotional, some things that are going on in your life, and you want somebody to pray over you, then while we're singing, while we stand, everybody go ahead and stand up. While we're singing and the worship team is coming, you just make your way up to the front here, and either Lori or myself, if you're a man, I will pray with you. If you're a woman, Lori will pray with you. But if you would like somebody to pray with you, and let me just say this as they're coming. Brothers and sisters, we have to fight for families. This church family is under an attack from Satan to destroy and to kill and to deceive. So we need to pray for one another. If you need prayer this morning, make your way up here while we sing together.